Well, here this week in St. Louis, and I know a lot of other places uh, across the country, we had our first taste of winter weather. Um, kind of crazy snowfall, especially for, uh, for us this early in the season. I'm curious, how many of you got outside and built a snowman? Lots of snowmen. I, I saw lots of snowmen as I was driving around. Anyone get outside and have a snowball fight? <laughs> Some of the same snowman builders. I'm getting a trend over here. Um, any, any sledders? Sledding, yeah. Anyone just kind of sit by a window in the warmth and look at it out there? A hot drink in your hand? Yeah, that's definitely my speed. Um, anyone sit by a busy intersection and watch cars just kind of struggle? Um, I didn't do that. Um, well, uh, someone did that in Seattle, uh, different snowstorm, different time. Uh, so in honor of our first bout of winter weather this year, I want to present to you Sliding Cars. If you didn't watch traffic, you missed an opportunity this week. Um, you could have. Anyone? Anyone find that a little unnerving to watch? Yeah, a, a little bit. Um, anyone surprised at how calm all the pedestrians were as this is happening? <laughs> one guy almost got smoked by the truck, and they're like, "Oh, hey, you know, it's just I don't know what's going on there." Uh, yeah, just thinking about this weather, uh, and partially because I have a permit driver in a, my house right now, it brought me back to a memory I have of myself learning how to drive, and at, it was right after a fresh snowfall in Michigan, and my dad said, hey, let's, let's go, and we got in the car, and, and he drove us to a high school parking lot, and he said, all right, we're going to switch positions, and I got behind the driver's seat, and he said, um, he said, all right, here's what I want you to do, I want you to get up some speed, and so I start doing it, he's like, and I want you to hit your brakes, and I look at him, and I go, no, I'm not going to hit my brakes. 
And he's like, no, hit your brakes. And I'm like, no, because I'm going to lose control. I know what's going to happen. And, and that was exactly the point. He wanted me to learn what it would feel like to lose control, to start to slide, to skid in the snow where I was in a somewhat safe, controlled environment where there weren't many other things to, uh, to run into. And, uh, and the lesson he wanted me to learn was a lesson that I'm sure every driver in here has learned, but it's very counterintuitive when you're first learning to drive. It's that lesson that when you start to feel yourself slide, and we, you saw it in the video, when your tires start to slide, especially your rear tires, there's this natural reaction where you feel yourself sliding this way that you want to wrench the wheel this way in the opposite direction, which is the worst thing you can do. That's when you start doing this down the, uh, down the hill. Uh, instead, when you start to feel the, the rear of your car slide, what are you supposed to do? You're supposed to steer into it. Yeah, you're supposed to steer into it. Steering into the skid, though, when you're learning to drive is so counterintuitive. But in life, even though we might know this in driving, in life, I think it's even more difficult for us to do. And yet, like everything else in this series, we're dealing with lots of counterintuitive things, but it's, it's the counterintuitive things of faith, the things that faith calls us to, that don't always make sense in regular life, that people don't always put to practice in regular life. It, it is those things that get us unstuck, that help us live in freedom. And so uh, today, I want to ask you an important question as we just get into this simple, simple question, but important, especially for this week. Uh, the question is, what part of your life is sliding out of control. Maybe some of you would substitute the word spiraling out of control. Uh, maybe for some of you, it's, it's not a, a full-on slide, but something's feeling a little bit off. What is that for you? And I know that although our lives are different, we all have something. None of us are this put together. We're, we're, there's got to be something in our lives right now that feels like it's on the verge of getting out of, out of control. Uh, maybe for you it's relationships. Is there a relationship that is, uh, is, is feeling just, it's starting to cause some stress, it's starting to feel like it's getting a little out of control in your life? Uh, maybe for you, as you think about things that are sliding out of control, it's, yeah, it's not a you're hurtling toward a tree or another car. Uh, maybe in your mind, as you sit here today, this is what you're hurtling toward. <laughs> you're thinking of the table on Thursday, um, and you're thinking of the people who are around it, and you're thinking, oh my gosh, this is going to be a disaster. You know, you're getting ready for it. Or maybe it's not all the people. Maybe there's just a person, and I think in our families or in our uh, communities, we all, we all have that person, and it's that person that we try to get along with. We try really hard to appease them, to help them be okay. We dig deep inside of ourselves and try to be a bigger person and we try to kill them with kindness, but we know that no matter what we do, it's not going to be enough and they're going to be difficult. Is that what you feel yourself sliding into this week, the week of Thanksgiving? Or for some of you, is it your health that's out of control? Making healthy choices that should be easy to make, but man, they're not easy to make. Or, or maybe for some of you, it's not even about your choices. You don't have any choice in this matter. Maybe you're facing, facing some sort of uh, health scare, that, and you're com- it's completely out of your hands. There's nothing you can do. Uh, you're just trusting doctors and trusting God to, to see you through. Or maybe for some of you, it's work. Um, I've always said there's, that no good vacation goes unpunished. And I'm getting ready to go on vacation uh, tomorrow for a little bit. And so this is what my week has been like. And this is what my week will be like when I get back. And sometimes that can feel a little out of control for us. Or uh, what about just what's going on on the, on the world stage right now? Over the last few weeks, 
um, and California, it's just so tragic what's going on there and, and you know, violence and, and just the, the chaos of politics and other things that are happening in our world. Uh, again, the question for you today that I want you to personalize this week. Otherwise, it's going to sneak up on you and it's going to get the best of, out of you. So I just want you to think about it for a second. What part of your life is sliding out of control? And for some, all of us, there's something that feels like it's, even if it's just the very beginning of a, of a skid, there's something that feels like it's starting to get out of control for us. And, and then if you identify that, I want to ask you another question. The question I want to ask you is, how are you trying to handle it? What are you doing right now as you feel life getting out of control? What is it that you normally do? See, we tend to handle things when they get out of control in the same way, no matter what the issue is, in the same way. We handle it like we always do. And uh, science tells us, and you know this, that some of us, we, are, we fight against things when we're scared, when we're intimidated. That adrenaline reaction makes us, makes us fighters. Some of us, we run away, we flee, we get out of town when things get rough. We're, you know, we're, we're thinking about Thanksgiving coming and we're going, hey, I have an idea. Let's just go to the beach. You know, like, let's just leave. Let's just get away from all of this. Maybe, maybe you're someone who likes to flee the disaster that's coming. Uh, some of us freeze we just kind of lock in. Right now, I want you to think about which one is the thing that you do. What, what's the pattern that you tend to fall into? Are you a fighter? Are you a runner? Um, do you freeze? And we tend to handle situations of crisis or stress or danger in the same way. We do what we usually do. You may be numbing yourself because doctors aren't the only ones with access to anesthesia, Right? We've got our own varieties of that. Uh, you may be fighting and raging against something. Your blood pressure's already up. Your fists are clenched. Your palms are sweaty. You may be looking for a way out. Where's the fire escape? How do I get out of here? But here's what few of us actually do when we're beginning to slide into disaster, when we feel our life getting out of control, no matter what aspect of life we're talking about. Few of us clearly, calmly, and open-heartedly steer into the skid. But I'll tell you, as people of faith, we have every reason to do just that. I've got another memory of, of my dad. Um, it's of, of whenever um, we were under a tornado warning. He'd send the family down into the basement and then he would go and he would just stand on the front porch of the house and he would watch the weather. And I, I remember a few times before... I would go downstairs seeing my dad out there or sneaking up to see if everything was okay. And I wasn't sure what he was doing out there, but in my mind, my dad was kind of like Chuck Norris. And so I figured that if a tornado came toward our house and it saw my dad standing on the front porch, it'd be like, oh, we better go around this one. We don't want to mess with that guy. Um, so I wasn't sure what he was doing there, but, but that picture has stayed in my mind. Often when I'm feeling like I'm facing something that, that's terrifying, that makes me feel a little out of control, that makes me feel threatened, it's that picture of my dad just standing there on the front porch, calmly, bravely, staring at the skies. And for me, that's some of what it looks like to steer into the skid. And again, it's something that we rarely do. Again, in driving, we figure it out. But in life, we either fight against what's going on in our life, or we try to get, you know, we bail out of the car, or we, a few of us steer into the skid. Today I want to look at Psalm 46, and it's a psalm that is a favorite of many of ours in this room, even if you don't know it. 
In fact, there are some words that come from this psalm that maybe you didn't realize where they come from in the Bible, but they're powerful words that you've heard before. Maybe you've shared them with someone else. And uh, here's the thing with the psalms, and in particular this psalm. There's wisdom that we can derive from these words. There's, there's uh, a lot of truth to these words. And yet what I love about the psalms is they seem to have a power all of their own that transcends my understanding of what the wisdom is or what the truth is. Just in in hearing the words and reading the words, especially of this psalm, I I can feel a peace falling over me, a confidence. These words help me feel brave and centered. And so today, I just want to read these words to you, and you can follow along with me. Um, But here's what I want, is as you think about whatever in your life is out of control, whatever feels like it's bearing down on you, barreling down on you, threatening you, uh, making you afraid, that, that thing that's making you want to fight or run or freeze in place, I want you to think about that thing and then let these words just kind of fall over it all. God is our refuge and strength, an ever-present help in trouble. Therefore, we will not fear, though the earth give way and the mountains fall into the heart of the sea, though its waters roar and foam and the mountains quake with their surging. For there is a river whose streams make glad the city of God, the holy place where the Most High dwells. God is within her. She will not fall. God will help her at break of day. Nations are in an uproar. Kingdoms fall. He lifts his voice and the earth melts. The Lord Almighty is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. Come and see what the Lord has done, the desolations he has brought on the earth. He makes war cease to the ends of the earth. He breaks the bow and shatters the spear. He burns the shields with fire. And he says, be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. The Lord Almighty is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. These words are powerful. And I can't tell you the number of hospital beds I've sat at where I've read that, those words. And, and, and they, just, they just bring a peace and a trust and courage into the room. And if you're tracking along with how the psalm goes, um, it, it starts with this, this chaos, this chaos in nature, the mountains quaking and falling into the sea and, and, the, and the seas roaring and, and raging and foaming. And, and, and then the scene changes abruptly and it's kind of hard to follow maybe for a minute. It goes from the mountains and the seas and they're quaking and they're falling and, and then it goes to this heavenly city where there is also water, but it's not foaming and raging. And instead, it's this river whose streams make glad the whole city of God. And, and unlike the chaos of the, of the world, there is peace and tranquility and people are glad. And the reason is because God is there. And then it goes back to the earth again and to, to nations who are in an uproar and they're raging and they're angry and they're shouting. And there's chaos and there's war. Sound familiar? And then again, back to God, and and it says, in the middle of all of that, all he needs to do is raise his voice. Any of you tend to raise your voice when life gets a little out of control? (laughs) 
I do, and I don't know about you, but when I raise my voice when things are getting out of hand, it seems like it only makes things louder. But in the psalm it says, there's all this chaos and there's this noise and there's this fighting and people are in uproar and they're shouting and, and God raises his voice. And I just imagine it slightly above a whisper. He raises his voice. And what happens? The whole earth falls away. The whole earth melts. See, in one scene, you have chaos, and you've got destruction, and you've got things spiraling out of control, and people are freaking out. In the other image, you've got a picture of a God who is at peace, who is still, who is not competing for attention and all of that. He's just still within himself, not because he's unaware, not because he's uncaring, but because he's that powerful. You know, he doesn't need to panic. He merely raises his voice, and everything will become still. And and here's the thing, here's the wisdom behind this psalm, here's the truth behind this psalm. These two realities are going on simultaneously, always at the same time. And the question that begs to be asked for us today is when things get out of control, where do your eyes go? Which reality gets your focus? Is it, is it the chaos and the noise and the, and the stuff all around you that just seems to demand your attention? I mean, how can you not give your attention to something that looks like that? Or is it this other reality, this, this heaven reality where there, where there is peace, where everything is at rest, where things are joyful and glad because God is fully present and he's reigning on his throne. See, both of those realities, they exist all the time, but when things get out of control in your life, where do your eyes go? Which scene gets your focus? See, we spend so much time trying to control things that we are not able to control. And so when life is not going the way that we want it to go, when the world is not going the way that we want it to go, we exert all this energy trying to, trying to change it, trying to make things look different, even things that we have no power over. When relationships get out of control, we, you know, instead of, instead of dealing with ourselves, we try to change other people. And, and it's this horrible pattern that we have that just makes us tired and, and panicked. But it's, it's a way that we feel control over our environment when things are sliding out of control. And then we realize, and some of us learn, that if we can't control our environment, or if we can't control other people, if we can't change them, what can we change? We can change ourselves. And so then uh, some of us, we, we start to work to try to control or change the way we react to stuff. So if you're a fighter, you try not to fight so hard. If you run, you try to, try to stay put. If you freeze, you, you try to not numb out to it. But you know what? As, as, I, as I move through life and as I work on that stuff, I'm not even sure you can do much about that. See, uh, I, I realize that I'm, I'm a fighter that's how I deal with situations of panic or stress. I fight. And I don't like that about myself. In fact, I, I think that's gotten me into a lot of trouble in life, that I just want to fight against whatever feels threatening to me. It's not how I want to live anymore. And so for the last few years, I've, I've been working on that. I've been trying to, trying to change the way I react. And, and I've had some success in all of that, um, but not as much success as I would like. 
it seems that this way of reacting to life is just kind of hardwired into me and I'm having a really hard time changing it. For instance, uh, my son Corbin, who's nine years old, he likes to play this game with Jocelyn where he goes around the house throughout the day and he, he tries to scare her, tries to startle her. So she'll be sitting in a chair and he'll try to sneak up and he'll come up behind her and you know, whoo. Or uh, she'll be walking down the hall and he'll duck into a room and he'll jump out and try to scare her. And, uh, and then after he does it, he asks her, how good was that, one to 10? And, and they do this whole thing where she rates him and he's usually very disappointed that it's, you know, it's, it's a five, you know, it's a six. And he's like, what? Oh, come on. It's better than that. And, and so they play this game and it's kind of fun to witness. Um, but occasionally Corbin tries to play this game with me and, uh, and, and, and he's, he's a great kid, but he's not that great at, you know, sneaking around. Um, and so he, he doesn't, he doesn't often startle me, but, but I, I always tell him when he plays this game with me, after he asks me, okay, rate me. As I tell him, I say, Corbin, you got to be careful because if you ever get to a nine or 10, you're not going to have to ask me. You're going to be lying on the floor with a shoe print in your chest. <laughs> because if you really scare me, that's what's going to happen. I'm just going to react. And it's not because I'm mad at you. It's just right here. Which, which I don't want to be that guy. You know, I don't want my son to live in fear of me, of, of startling me. I, I don't want to be that guy. And so I, I, I've been trying to change how I react. I can't change my world. I can't control things outside of me. Okay, I'm going to try to control myself. And, and like I said, I've experienced some mild success. But, but I think a lot of us, we, we run into a brick wall of trying to change our reactions, trying to change the way that we respond to a world that is chaotic. Even in the psalm, we see this. We see this call in the psalm to be still. Sounds good, doesn't it? Nations are in an uproar. Kingdoms fall. The mountains are falling into the heart of the sea. The sea is roaring and foaming and, okay, just be still. But it's easier said than done, isn't it? See, instead of trying to control our environment, trying to control people, trying to control circumstances, I think even instead of trying to to focus on controlling our reaction, there's another thing that we can do. While I might be powerless over those things, even my own ability to, to react well, I am not powerless over where I choose to put my focus. And when life gets crazy, when, when things are sliding out of control, when I find myself wanting to fight, when I find myself wanting to run, when I'm freezing in place, when a family member is annoying me when a relationship is threatening me, when cable news first thing in the morning is you know, putting me near stroke levels of stress. I can't always choose how I react, but here's what I can choose. I can choose where to put my focus. I can put my eyes on another scene, which I think changes everything. See, instead of trying to control your reactions, Maybe you could try changing your focus. I think that's the wisdom and the brilliance of Psalm, the Psalm that we looked at today. I, I think it's this idea of Psalm 46 that, that, um, that there are always these two scenes that are happening and we have a choice of which one will get our attention. The noise, the chaos, the fighting, and it's hard to turn your head away from that, right? Gawker delay on the highway, on the road. You're like, why are we stopped? Oh, because there's an accident over there. It doesn't even affect us, but it's hard not to look at it. But we have this choice always to look to the other scene. Paul says this in 2 Corinthians. He says, so we fix our eyes not on what is seen, even though it's compelling, even though it's vibrant, 
but we fix our eyes on what is unseen. Since what is seen is temporary, here's why. Even though it seems powerful now, even though it seems like it should be the thing that should demand all of our attention, it seems like the real thing. Paul says, what is seen here and now, it's only temporary. But what is unseen, that other place, that, that, that city of God who's, who has a river flowing through it, whose streams make glad the people of God because God dwells there and he sits on his throne, that's what's eternal. See, instead of trying to control your reactions, maybe you could try changing your focus. And if you're a person who trusts God, if, if that's kind of where you're trying to get to in life, and I know some of us are in different places, but if that's your aspiration... And if you've been in a relationship with God for some time, I'll tell you, that if you trust God, and if that's where you put your focus, on his power, on, on his goodness, on his track record, on all the things that he's done for you, then that begins to change whatever it is that you're sliding toward, whatever feels like is out of control in your life. And suddenly you don't have to rage, you don't have to run, you don't have to freeze in fear. But here's what will happen instead. You'll find yourself being able to bravely steer into the skid. And here's why. When your focus isn't on the stuff of this earth, but when your focus is instead is, is on God, his power, his might, his goodness, his track record... Then, then here's what you'll see. You'll begin to see that God can redeem anything. God can redeem anything. That's the story of the scriptures. I'm convinced of it more and more as I read through the, the entire scriptures. It's a story of, of God starting something, humans trying to interfere, and God saying, have your way. I'm going to have my way in the end. He's a God who can redeem anything. And right now, as I watch people living life and I watch people struggling, and if you're struggling today, you're not the only one. Again, as a pastor, I get to see that at any given time, there are more of us struggling than any of us can possibly think or believe. Because we play the game well and we, you know, we, we, just, we try to live above it and it's, it's good. But right now I know people who are struggling with very, very serious cancer, cancer that has come back and it doesn't look good. And, and I know people who are facing very serious surgery, scary surgery, surgeries that even five or 10 years ago would, would not be possible. They would be a death sentence. I know families right now who are hurtling toward financial ruin and they're trying to keep themselves out of it. I know people who are, who are just at, at their, their hearts are rent because... They're watching a kid go astray and um, just damage themselves in the worst kind of ways and there's nothing they can do. And, and I'm watching people go through all of these different circumstances. I'm watching people grieve. And here's what I notice. That there is a difference, not, not so much in the circumstances that, go back, sorry. There's a difference not in the circumstances so much uh, that people face, but what I notice is there is a difference with those whose focus is elsewhere, who have a hope and a vision of a God who still is on the throne, even though all of that is happening, a God who is able to redeem anything. If you question whether this is true, you only need to look to Jesus. I mean, God sends his son into the world. He sends his son into the world incarnate in flesh to teach us, to inaugurate a new way of living. And what do we do to his son we, we disbelieve him, we mock him, we eventually kill him. 
And yet God, he, he, he knows we're going to do that and he goes through it anyway. Why? Because he knows that even when we have our way, when we do our worst, in the end, he'll make it okay. He'll make it better than okay. He's a God who can redeem anything. Jesus in his ministry, he dealt with so much chaos. Jesus' ministry, just reading through the Gospels, it makes me tired. Because I, I watch him just dealing with crowds and groups of people and he, and he can't have, find time to eat and he's walking everywhere and wherever he goes, there's more people. And, and, and you know what Jesus does though? The way he survives all of the chaos? The scriptures tell us that very early in the morning he gets up and he goes off to a quiet place. And he recalibrates his vision. He looks to his father, who is living above all of the fray, not because he doesn't care, not because he's unconcerned, but because he's that powerful and that good that none of the stuff down here even affects him. There's a place called Gethsemane where Jesus was, was having a moment of crisis, where, he, where the cross was coming. And Jesus was in agony about what was before him, and he's, he's moaning and he's sweating blood and and then in the garden, he prays. He says, remember the prayer, if you know this. He says, Father, let this cup pass from me, but not my will, rather yours be done. You know what he's remembering? He's remembering that, that there is a God in heaven who can redeem anything. He's that powerful. And see, this isn't just, you know, there's a silver lining to everything. It's true that even when life can have its way with you, can do its worst to you when when things that are sent to destroy you, kill you, knock you down, they, they, they take their, their, their chunk out of you, they have your way with you. In the end, God gets to win. He gets to have his way. He can redeem anything. And, and that takes us to the second reason that um, when we focus on God, things change for us. We, we realize when we look to God that constant protection prevents formation. Constant protection prevents formation. Do you know that? Constant protection prevents formation. And when your vision is, is not on the things here, because d- down here, we just want to stay safe in the middle of the chaos. We want to get through it unhindered. And so how many of our prayers or hopes or dreams are about constant protection? But from God's vantage point, protection isn't it. We're, we're not here to be perfectly protected, to live in the status quo. God's greater desire for us is that we would be formed Things that are protected all the time, they grow weak, they grow fragile, they lack resilience. But when your eyes are on God, you you realize that you don't don't need to be protected because God is stronger than anything that's coming against you. And when your eyes are on him, you're stronger than you think too. See, when I fix my eyes, not on the stuff here, because I can't control it, I can't control my reaction, but but when I'm looking at it, I'm going to react, I'm going to respond. But if instead I put my eyes elsewhere, if I fix my eyes on God and his goodness, what he's done for me in Jesus, what he's done for me over the track record of my life, when I look there rather than here to all this mess, do you know what happens when the wheels start spinning, when I fear I'm, I'm going to go sliding off the road into disaster? Instead, you know what begins to happen to me? I start to get curious. And I start to wonder, what is God going to do with this? How is he going to redeem this? And then I remember that no matter what happens, no matter how bad it gets, I'm going to grow because that's who God is and that's what he does. And growth is the prize of this life, not safety, not protection, not having my way, not being left alone. See, it's all about where you put your vision. And when you're looking to God, it changes everything. It means that more often than not, 
when, I, when I'm starting to slide, when I'm starting to skid, and I'm afraid and I want to do my thing, more often than not, if I can just fix my eyes on God, he helps me do something more like this. <laughs> Not bad, huh? (laughs) Unfortunately, that was not me driving. Uh, Unfortunately, that's not my car either. Um, Let's pray. Father in heaven, right now I just want to pause and reflect on your power. That when people, when political leaders, when... Members of a family on a road trip, when we're trying to get control or trying to keep the attention of others or trying to be heard, we shout, we yell. And yet, for you, you only need lift your voice slightly. In this world and everyone in it falls down, we, we melt, we pass away, because that's how powerful you are. And Father, when we are when we're trembling, when we are raging, when we are frozen, terrified, I thank you that you are unmoved, not because you don't care, but because you know you've, you've got it all, you hold it all, you're greater than it all. Father, I thank you that you can redeem anything, and throughout the Bible you have took the greatest act of injustice and tragedy we've ever seen the the death of God in human flesh the murder of God in human flesh and you turned it into our redemption God what can you not do what tragedy can you not redeem and Father my prayer for us is that when things start to get scary when we start to panic when we feel out of control when we feel threatened when we want to fight or run or freeze that instead you would give us a vision of the places where you clearly sit on the throne established that you would give us a vision of what is unseen but eternal that you'd give us a vision of your love and care for us Father, that you would help us then just steer into the skid of life with curiosity, with wonder of how you're going to redeem it, with, with, a, with a sense of surety that whatever happens, you're going to help us grow, you're going to form us, you're going to use all of it to make us better and to make our world better, God. I grow tired of trying to control the world around me. I, I even grow tired of trying to control myself. Instead, would you begin to help me, help us put our eyes elsewhere? Pray in Jesus' name. Amen.